This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Thursday Things to Listen to list. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Mike Rogers, former chairman of the, uh, the House Intel Select Intel Committee on Intelligence, of course. And then he's a former FBI guy. We have been focusing on the Durham probe and some other things uh, that are happening. Uh, I, this could have been a big 10. Usually a big three. There's 10 major things happening, including some of the most bizarre statements I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, and we'll take that. And you have our calls. Uh, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The allegations against this particular attorney, I believe, are the tip of the iceberg. And that connection between Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, the fake dossier, and others very high up at DOJ and FBI, how could all of this be going on? Uh, yeah, Mark Meadows coming together. Durham is making his case and laying the foundation for how the Russian hoax was created as Mike Sussman stands trial. But many others like Hillary Clinton are feeling the heat. Will we bring you the we will bring you uh, the reviews of day two? Number two. I would class myself as, as a moderate and you know, neither Republican nor, nor Democrat. Um, and in fact, uh, I have voted, voted overwhelmingly for Democrats uh, historically, overwhelmingly. Like, I, I'm not sure, I, I might never have voted for a Republican, just to be clear. Right. Um, now, now, this election, I would. Right. Uh, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, primarily speaking, he's been a great start for Republicans as their turnout in the first 10 states far exceeds 2018. But before we look ahead to Georgia, we have to wait on a winner from Pennsylvania on the Senate side as McCormick and Dr. Oz wait to get all the ballots counted. Number one. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. We have we have the ingredients. That is not what you use the Defense Production Act for. Too slow and too tone deaf. That's what the administration continues to be. Case in point, they are only using the, the Defense Production Act to sprint baby formula back onto shelves after knowing the shortage was there in February, maybe as early as December. Plus, they wait until February to name an FDA director who's in charge of this. And now they must pause and assume blow up the ridiculous disinformation panel. Not a good week already for the administration. 175 days into the midterms, the Dems turnout is down 29 percent. The GOP turnout is up 60 percent. Uh, that's up thir- has a 60 percent turnout. That's up 13 percent since 2016. That is pretty impressive. Oz and McCormick, there's about 1,200 votes separating them. You know, conventional wisdom says if you're looking at how the election's gone, if it's a mail-in ballot, it would go towards McCormick. He gets more of them. Day of ballot was big time for Oz. And also, if you're looking for military ballots, maybe you're thinking that McCormick's your guy because he uh, he went to West Point. We will see. Uh, since Pennsylvania doesn't allow officials to start processing mail ballots, 
uh, until the mail-in ballots till Election Day. They are slow. State officials said about 11 o'clock yesterday, there was an estimated 105,000 mail votes, mail-in votes, to count on data submitted by the counties. So count them. What's taking so long? Now, Pennsylvania's got an automatic recount if the separation between the candidates is 0.5%. It seems like it's heading that direction. So meanwhile, when it comes to baby formula, if this affects you directly or indirectly, uh, I can't even say help is on the way. The president's doing something people were urging him to do earlier. Other people, like Peter Pitt, says it's ridiculous. He's a former FDA associate commissioner. Cut four. It's tough talk, it's smoke and mirrors, and it's insulting to American parents. You know what makes up baby formula? Rice starch, corn syrup, and protein concentrate from cow's milk. Commodities. There's no shortage. Never been a shortage. There isn't one less skew of baby formula because of a shortage. So the Defense Production Act, it's just it's smoke and mirrors. It's insulting. And the president's saying he's going to fly in baby formula. From where? There's no baby formula depot anywhere in the world. And where's it going to fly it to? And once it gets to the U.S., how is it going to get distributed? American parents want to know when the problem is going to be solved, not sound bites that are ri- ridiculous uh, from the outset. Right. Uh, so he makes the announcement yesterday half-heartedly. Now, keep in mind, with the Defense to Production Act that's been enacted, Jen Psaki had a totally different explanation on Tuesday, uh, on Friday, when asked about why the president hasn't done this sooner, despite the fact that Peter Pitt says it's not going to help anyway. Cut. Here's what she said. Cut to. So the reason why it would have a longer term impact is because the, the production of, manu- of a baby formula is so specialized and so specific that you can't just use the Defense Production Act to t- say to a company that produces something else, produce baby formula. It just doesn't work that way exactly. That is something that could be a consideration over the longer term. And certainly there are ways that the Defense Production Act has been used in other industries, right, as it relates to a chemical that is needed or a specific tool or part that is needed. Uh, so right now, of course, we're keeping that option under consideration. And by the way, uh, so she basically was either misinformed Friday or that's the fact, and the president says this is just political cover. The so-called problem solver caucus, um, Republicans and Democrats together there to solve problems, have been pushing him to do this. So Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday uh, was, by the way, she is the worst. Worst start ever, does not know the issues, reading everything out of a book, that doesn't even they make it into non sequiturs, doesn't even help the story. Now you need facts in a story, go read your book, get the stats down, four out of five, uh six out of ten. Uh we're gonna do this on July eleventh. Got it. You gotta write you can't memorize all that. But when you don't know even the substance of issues and you're reading things that they wrote down for you that you're supposed to digest, not read out to the American public, that's indeed the problem. So uh, the big problem, though, for for this administration is the economy. Yesterday, they lost about 1,100 points off the uh, the stock market. You might say, what's the big deal? I'm not heavily invested. But if you are, uh, have a 401k, a 529, you're invested in it. So it wouldn't matter. And you could always say, don't look. But when the administration says, don't look, I got a problem with that. You have to look. You have to learn. That means that people are starting to say, I'm pretty sure things are going to get a lot worse. So I don't want to be stuck holding the bag. And that's why um, I'm bailing. Now, next, I, I want to talk about the, the Durham report a little bit. But on the economy, Quinnipiac did a poll. Uh, how did, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden's handling the economy? 32% approve. Really? How likely do you think it's that there will be an economic recession of the next year? 85% of you say it is somewhat and very likely. 
And also, uh, what economic issues are worrying the American people? Number one, the prices on gas and goods, 55%, 26% cost of housing, rent, 10% the stock market, 4% your job situation. For the most part, jobs are, are pretty good. But there is a road to these. The biggest story is the, I think, oil and gas. Because we have enough here. It's not like we're born on rocks. It's not Ireland or Japan. We're not, we're not isolated. We have all these materials. And the administration is going down south to Venezuela to a country we don't even recognize and doing deals and buying their oil. Which in the oil business, they say they have the dirtiest oil in the world. And yet we're going to save the environment by not doing the cleanest oil and gas in the world. And that is ours. Right now, across the country, it's over $4 a gallon in all 50 states. Uh, the president says he's, he's laser focused on it, but he's discouraged the investment in oil and gas companies by stopping the Keystone Pipeline. He stopped a million dollar, a million barrels of of uh, Canadian oil every day. I believe Canada is our friend. I'm still looking for uh, uh, more information on that. And now there's a big push in Michigan to stop the Enbridge Line Five pipeline that brings 500,000 barrels of Canadian oil a day from Canada through the Lake Michigan and to the U.S. So with that information, the Dow slid 1,100 points. I don't think it's that big of a deal yet, but it very well could be. Just wait. They say that now some gas stations are getting fitted for $10 a gallon. That means adding an extra digit, and you just watch. They're going to start rationing gas because they're going to say, hey, uh, odd numbers, you could go, if your house is an odd number or license plate's an odd number, go get gas today. If it's even, go get gas tomorrow. That's what's done in the Carter years. I'm sure that's a comparison they don't want. one 866 We come back, I'll take your calls. Bottom of the hour, I want to get you the latest on the dorm investigation uh, with Mike Rogers. Brian Kilme Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Our campaign had put a lot of energy and time into focusing on these absentee voters and focusing on our ground game. And, uh, and so that has paid off uh, big dividends. And uh, there's a huge number of absentee uh, ballots, which uh, we're winning disproportionately. And that's why I have a lot of confidence I'm going to win this, because there's tens of thousands of outstanding absentee uh, ballots. And uh, I'll win those disproportionately. And, uh, and that'll put me over the top. And that's 
what you saw happen over the last 12 hours or so is uh, Mehmet Oz's lead uh, got cut by more than half because of the absentee ballots that came in. All right, so that's what Dave McCormick feels. Look, the Republicans can't lose with either candidate. I think they're both very strong and very different. One thing is, Dr. Oz did not spend a ton of money on hate Dave McCormick stuff. McCormick said did a lot of money, uh, spent a lot of money on hate Mehmet Oz stuff. Oz stuff. Uh, here's what Dr. Oz said on Sean last night, cut 19. We have covered all counties to ensure that the ballots are correctly counted. This election is ours. We have done well. What I want to do today, though, is to, is to talk about unifying our party, because those three frontrunners and their other candidates as well all work their tails off. But we need to unite to take on Fetterman, who you mentioned earlier. And I am praying that he makes a full recovery. As a heart doctor trained at the University of Pennsylvania, I am optimistic. But this really comes down to what people in Pennsylvania want. People in Pennsylvania have a clear choice. Fetterman is to the left of Joe Biden. He's not equal to Biden. He's to the left. So he supports spending. He supports restricting energy production, which in our commonwealth is a big issue. That drives inflation, number one driver of inflation. Okay, I, I, I know that Donald Trump came out and reportedly said to tell uh, Dr. Oz, act like you won already. You're in the lead. You act like you won. It's very hard for them to take it away from you. I think, I think that's a mistake. There's no sign of any corruption. There's no sign of that. If you got to find, you got to count all the ballots. It's that close. And then there's going to be a recount. You don't just say, I won. You, I just don't do that. And I, I like the Dr. Oz is kind of doing that a little bit. But and, and I love what uh, Dave McCormick said. Regardless, we've got to come together after this, regardless of who wins. But he's confident he'll win. He was winning most of the night uh, late. It was a late surge by Dr. Oz. And now they think they're going to get it with the military ballots and the mail-in ballots. But not everything goes through uh, as expected, obviously. So the other big story is the huge turnout for Republicans, despite the fact that Roe v. Wade could be overturned and they thought that would energize Democrats. Not that I've seen. Molly Hemingway is encouraged. Cut 26. Well, and it's Democrats who keep on saying that they're going to replace Republican voters with other voters. But it's actually really stupid that they thought that, you know, demographic change would harm the Republican Party. Right now, the Republican Party is a multiracial working class party. It has made tremendous gains in recent years with a wide variety of Americans of different ethnicities and economic classes because it's creating policies that are appealing to those people. Um, what we saw in the last five or six years with an embrace of protecting the border, of caring about middle class workers, of taking on global threats to the country, of not doing these never ending wars without a clear entrance or exit strategy. That appeals to a broad multiracial group of people. Uh, yeah, Molly Hemingway put it in perspective uh, with the Federalists. I, I do think the Republicans are getting smart. When Democrats attack these corporations, Republicans usually go to the corporation's defense. But they're all voting for Democrats now. And big business, go ahead, fend for yourself. You're spending all this money on this woke stuff and you're scared to death of being canceled. Uh, like Disney, like what you did in Georgia. You're on your own, and I think they're backing off. I, they don't necessarily condemn anything, but not, I think raising corporate rates is so stupid and short-sighted. It just makes you non-competitive with other countries. It doesn't bring in more or less revenue. So uh, Georgia early voting is going to be the big story on Tuesday, right? So Georgia's early voting shatters records despite the election reforms. You remember the election reforms were supposed to make it impossible to vote? Well, Georgia has seen already 539,297 ballots cast as of Tuesday. By the way, obviously it's Thursday. 
for outpa- uh, far outpacing the 182,000 by this point in 2018 at the midterms. The numbers been outpaced those have outpaced those from 2022 by 156 percent. So much for the Jim Crow 2.0. Am I correct? So much. When we talk about Republicans surging, the big story, Elon Musk has said, in the past I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, but they have become the party of division and hate, so I can no longer support them. Uh, he said, I will, not vote. I will uh, now vote Republican. Now watch their dirty trick campaign against me unfold. And right away, Tesla is removed from the S&P 500. They say because... Uh, because it's of its worth. But Dow Jones Indices, senior director and head of the ESG in uh, Indices, uh, Margaret Dorn said in a blog post on Tuesday that Tesla was ineligible for inclusion in the index due to his its low S&P DJI, DJI ESG score, which fell to the bottom 25% of its global industry peers. Musk came back and says Exxon is top-rated ESG. It's the 10 best uh, – it's – Exxon is top rated, 10 best in the world for the environment, social, and governance. S&P 500. While Tesla didn't make it, ESG is a scam. It's been weaponized by phony political justice worries. I mean, how could a electric car like no other be not listed as the most environmentally friendly vehicle or amongst them in the world? And it's not. Elon Musk says political attacks on me will escalate dramatically in the coming months. No problem. Lawyer up, pal, and fight back, because if you can't feign off the attacks, uh, nobody can. And by the way, Donald, he's very much in doubt when it comes to Twitter. He found out that they did an independent audit, and 50% of Joe Biden's followers, I believe, are all fake. A huge proportion of the 90 million following Elon Musk are fake. And the big question is, is Musk just trying to, is holding out? He says the deal's on hold. Is he holding out to get a better deal? Is he holding out for others that want to uh, want to invest? I'm not sure. But what you have in uh, in Twitter is somebody who went in there, identified all the problems, and they still didn't want them. Now they put the deal together. They say, fine, you could have them. And then Jack Dorsey says, what turns out was behind the whole thing, very much in support. Why would that be? This liberal from... Silicon Valley, why does he want Musk, who he's hard to figure out politically, owning his baby? My feeling is he saw how left-wing it got, embarrassing it is, doesn't want to be held in front of court again, so he's going to be on the board for a little while longer, and then he's going to call it quits. He said, Elon, you got to buy this Twitter. So he says, I'm not going to buy it until I find out how many real followers there are. It's going to affect the price. And now, if he walks away and takes the billion-dollar hit, he will leave Twitter as just an empty carcass. Some of the questions on a recent survey. A must deal to buy Twitter remains on hold. So what should he do about Trump? Most people, over 50%, want Trump back on Twitter. Uh, should he continue to be bad? 54% said should be allowed back. Yes. 38% said continue to be bad. That's a staggeringly low number. Twitter should want him back. And Twitter should want him back because he created interest. By him out there tweeting, talking policy, everyone was putting up his tweets. Not many people are putting up tweets anymore. And not many people are playing late night television anymore because it's so blatantly partisan, it's not entertaining or interesting. When we come back, what's going on with the Durham Report? I'll update you on the trial as well as what Mike Rogers wants to do. Brian Kilmeade Show.
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We're confident that at the end of the day, Finland and Sweden will have an effective and efficient accession process that Turkey's concerns can be addressed. Finland and Sweden are working directly with Turkey to do this, but we're also talking to the Turks to try to help facilitate. I spoke with my counterpart today. Secretary Blinken is meeting with his counterpart, perhaps as we speak, uh, in New York. Uh, and we feel very good about where this will track to. Uh, and President Biden will uh, express that confidence, as we believe the President of Finland and Prime Minister of, of Sweden will express that confidence. And, and that today. But the problem is Turkey. Tur- Turkey says, well, I don't, I don't know if I want these guys in. Why don't we kick Turkey out? Would anyone be upset if Turkey was not involved in NATO? I mean, why do you do you trust them anyway? This with Erdogan, Mike Rogers, with us now, former chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, FBI guy too. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, it is always good to be back, Ryan. All right. So first off, I, I love the news about Sweden and Finland. Love that they're here. They bring a total their total asset to the organization. Two percent of the GDP already spent. Uh, they know how to fight. They know how to work with NATO. And Turkey standing in the way. Oh, I know. You know, it's worse than that. So Finland has exceeded its uh, flight response, meaning every time that the Russians do something nefarious, fly a bomber close to the border or sometimes cross the border, they have to scramble jets and planes to try to deal with it. And over the last few years, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And so their spending keeps going up. That's why they're going to be one of the largest NATO plane, U.S. plane F-35 owners in NATO to try to deal with Russian aggression. So Turkey fighting it for all their own reasons. I, uh, I, you know, listen, they're, they're, uh, they're trying to get a deal on the Kurds. They want, they want the Finns and other NATO countries to help them with the, their, their perceived Kurdish, uh, Kurdish problem. So I think they're trying to play a deal here, but they haven't been a good NATO member. And to have the worst NATO member actually try, trying to cause problems for two, what we think are going to be pretty good NATO members is, is, is so um, you might not know this, and it's totally okay if you don't, but does everybody have to okay it? It has to be a totally unanimous vote? Uh, you can. I think people can say no, but I think they have to have – and I don't know what the number is, but they, they – you can – so they can block – you can block it, but I think you can't do it the other way. So if they, it's basically throwing a red card down on the table. Anyone can throw the red card down, and you're going to have to deal with it. So Ukraine – what Turkey's yeah. doing. So it's very interesting because Ukraine is uh, doing so well, but still they've they've lost a lot of the, the, some of their territory, uh, including Mariupol. It looks like, and they're taking some of these uh, fighters that have surrendered, and they're taking them deep into Russia, according to reports, where they're off these penal colony areas where they're often tortured. So if you're uh, if you're a Ukrainian fighter, what's the incentive to not fight? Well, you have to remember they've. This Mariupol was surrounded. They weren't be able to get, you know, food and supplies in, and they were just being heroic for a long time. And this is where, you know, I, I think I said this on your program a while back. We have to be careful that we say you, Ukrainians should fight to the absolute death in that trench. Uh, that might not be the best decision for the long-term gain of Ukraine. And so. Listen, candidly, they probably should have tried to find a way to get uh, those troops out of Mariupol and then recondition them, get them fed, and put them back in the fight against the Russians maybe a little north of Mariupol. We didn't do that. We encouraged it. We thumped our chests and said, no, you should stay there and die. Everyone of you should die if you have to. Uh, probably not a great 
place for us to be, nor should we be encouraging it. And so now, think about it. You're tired. You're beaten. They're not getting good information either. Uh, they're hoping that there's going to be some mercy in those surrenders because they have really no other option. So, the Russians can stay there yeah. and deliver ordnance for a, for a long time. We have to remember that. What do you know about laser weapons? Evidently, the Russians might are bringing laser weapons to the theater. Yeah, so it's kind of a new brand of fighting lasers. We've seen laser weapons in the past that can disrupt things. So a lot of times, if you think about the war that's actually going on in space, believe it or not, uh, those lasers can disrupt and uh, take out other satellites. Well, they also have ground-based laser uh, uh, weapons, so they call them kind of this directed energy that goes into a certain spot and can either take out a weapon system, burn through it, that kind of thing. So it doesn't have, it's not like a Star Wars, you know, zapping, you know, you know whatever those things are called. Uh, it, it is more of a directed energy weapon that you hit that right spot and it can cause serious damage to the weapon system and people as well. And it's a very high intense, uh, right. both heat uh, and wavelength uh, weapon system. We're talking to Mike Rogers, former chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee, FBI background. Now, I'm going to get to Dorm in a second, but I want to get you to this. There's a report today in the New York Times that the Biden administration is developing plans to further choke Russian oil reserves with a long-term goal of destroying the country's central role uh, in oil production. Uh, they say a major, it's a major escalatory step that could put them on the other side with China, India, and Turkey siding with Russia so we want to up the ante as Europe might, and it's it's great to know Europe is finally waking up, trying including Germany and to desperately trying to get other areas to get oil, uh, gas and coal, and making progress and maybe leaving Russia permanently out. The U.S. is accelerating that. Uh, do you what could you tell me about this? Well, so this is this is the ultimate ramp up, and many believed early on if you go after the one thing that causes revenue for the Russians, it's it's natural resources. They don't have a lot other than that going on, other than military sales. And so, what you will do is probably push India. India is the country that's most up for grabs. It's a big power economically. It's going to be a huge power in twenty years or so. And so you know, China wants to be, you know, be, be close to India. We, the United States wants to be close to India. And so they're buying oil, right? So India has something like a 700% increase in oil since February uh, of Russian oil, sorry. And so, you know, we, we, just, we have to think about all the consequences. I do think it's an important thing to do. You need to start starving the beast. And the way to starve that beast, Vladimir Putin, is you cut off his money that he can make in oil. But China, India, uh, even Turkey has said, listen, we're going to do it. Matter of fact, India just came out recently and said, the reason we're doing this, I don't care what all you think. Uh, you know, we have this global recession uh, and uh, we can get cheap oil, so we're going to do it. Right. So it's not the right decision, but it's what's going to happen. And so I do think it sends a really important message that guess what? You can't sustain this. Uh, we'll, we'll make it much more difficult for you to sell oil in the world. And I think those are probably legitimate targets to do it. But it also means you can't not have a, the other side of that coin, Brian, meaning we need to ramp up oil production here. They'll say, oh, well, there's all kinds of permits that these companies have. Well, getting a permit and getting permission to drill are two different things. And so we need to step up our production here. If you're going to do that, Right. That's great. I'm for it. But you also need to ramp up U.S. production. But, but, we're all going to pay it. For but it. guess what? They're asking Venezuela 
to produce more, and they're lifting sanctions on Venezuelan oil, a government we don't even recognize that the oil experts tell me is the dirtiest oil on the planet. With no infrastructure, they've learned to rot since 1998. What are we, how is they allowed to do this? I mean, don't they have a, isn't there a protocol that Congress must sign off on this? After all, we do not recognize that government. No, I think that Congress should get involved in this. And this is exactly why you have an independent, you know, our our executive branch should be independent from our legislative branch. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But this would be the perfect case to do that. So when he went after, you know, the the ability to get natural resources out of Alaska with a pipeline, uh, you know, he's basically telling Americans, he's giving Americans the finger when you pull up to the pump. Right. He's just he's they continue to say one thing. Oh, no, no. They have the ability. And then they cut off the ability through these executive orders for companies right. to you know, find, produce and distribute uh, uh, gasoline, basically, to Americans, which is why all the prices are going up. And so it's maddening. And the, the fact that they would go. Remember, they tried to go to Saudi Arabia. They wouldn't even take their phone calls because they didn't co- correlate the fact that we left them in the hands of Iranian-sponsored Houthis uh, and then uh, then went to ask them a favor, right? So you can imagine why Saudi Arabia. They right. just don't seem to get the connection of all of these issues and what's good for the long-term interests of the United States. And going to Venezuela is not good for the United States. It's, no, even Senator Menendez, Democrat, says you do not do this. So I want to uh, pivot, if I can, to the Durham report. We're in day three now. Michael Sussman, uh, we have known that also yesterday Mark Elias took the stand, Jim Baker for about 45 minutes, Mark Elias for about three hours. So essentially they're saying what Durham is saying in the big picture is they set up something. And while you were at CNN, uh, Congressman Rogers, what they did is made everybody think that there was this huge Trump connection to Russia. And they used this transmission, this cyber transmission between Trump organization and the Alpha Bank, which is a Russia bank. It ends up being just a marketing contact. They end up going to, Michael Sussman goes to Mike Baker with the FBI, a lawyer with the FBI, not an investigator, and says, I got this information, and he tweets and he texts this to him. Hey, Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time-sensitive and sensitive I need to discuss. Do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming in on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the Bureau. And Sussman billed the Clinton campaign for his time, uh, by the way, which showed he was representing Clinton. And his argument is, well, everybody knows I work for the Clinton campaign. He should have known I'm on that instead of just but yet defy what he actually texts. Why should people care about this? Well, first of all, because he was taking advantage of relationships to try to get the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which has incredible uh, power in an investigation. I think we all know that. Uh, and and in most cases for the for the good. In this particular case, he was using, and it was a back channel, right? The guy's not uh, necessarily an agent working cases at the bureau. He's the lawyer uh, using this back channel to try to force feed information that I'm going to guess Sussman also knew was not accurate into the bureau to cause a you know a criminal investigation. We should all care about this. Could happen to anybody at any time for any reason if we allow this uh, to go unpunished candidly. Uh, and just one quick thing. I was a, 
I was a commentator at CNN. You made it sound like I was the guy at CNN, Brian. You're no. hurting, you know. No, I know, but you're in CNN. I have to have therapy for. <laughs> well, I know, and, and I watched you too because you know there's some things that Trump did you can't make excuse for. He was totally unorthodox and everything, and some stuff was unacceptable, and some stuff was just different. Ended up being better. But when he kept yeah. saying over and over again, "This is a fallacy. This is a hoax." Now we find out that Sussman goes in and tells the FBI, which other people like Mark Elias was meeting with the Wall Street Journal and New York Times to tell the same story. So now they, the New York Times has this story about a possible investigation about a Trump link uh, to an Alpha Bank, a Russian Alpha Bank. And it keeps on building up this story that doesn't exist. Then Jake Sullivan, yeah. who was now got a key position as National Security Advisor to this guy named President Joe Biden with the Clinton camp releases a statement about this alleged link, the link that Sussman plants with the FBI, a link that uh, Elias and others plant with the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and then they put it out. This is really concerning. And guess what? The CNNs, the MSNBCs, all these uh, other uh, mainstream organizations, Washington Post, start talking about the only reason Donald Trump won, he colluded with the with the Russians to release Hillary Clinton's emails and they're, and he's subjective to what Vladimir Putin wants. That's why he's so nice to him because they were in all types of financial dealings with the Trump organization. All of this didn't happen. And it took yeah. William Barr to come in to put Durham in place to allow some of this truth to come out. Yeah. And I'll tell you why this over the big picture, right? And, and I can't disagree with anything you just said, but in the big picture of this, we should never allow the FBI to be used as a political tool. I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, and I don't care what it is. We can't allow it to happen. I am, as a former FBI agent, incredibly disappointed that they would even allow themselves. And they had senior leadership at the time kind of participating in this game. And it's hard for me to tell if they actually believed it or they knew it was you don't know? true. I, Mike, I meant to mention I, I said, you don't know if Strzok really believed it? You don't know if oh, Baker I, I really believed the, it. The information coming out on Strzok was 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 bad enough. But you also had another senior leader, McCabe, who also you know ended up not being truthful and ended up taking fire from the FBI, not because Trump didn't like him. That was part of it, obviously. But it was because he was not truthful to an, an FBI investigator. Which, by the way, in normal circles of life, you can get charged with a thousand and one violation, which is lying to an FBI agent. And so all of that was very unseemly, and I really do believe the FBI needs to reach down and grab themselves by the bootstraps. You can never allow that kind of political decision-making, because there are some gray areas in an investigation. There just are, which is what you hope the investigation eventually clears. But if you're pushing an investigation because you want to see what you want to see in a gray area, that is a very dangerous place to be for an investigator. Evidently, the CIA pushed back and goes, yeah, there's nothing here. And one FBI agent says there's nothing to investigate, but Peter Strzok took it and ran with it. Lisa Page took it and ran with it. And when you read their text to each other, because they had this relationship going, you see how much they hated Trump and hated Trump mm-hmm. supporters. And that's, that's not Brian Kilmeade's assessment. It's in their yeah, text. I agree. So, I agree. So, Mike, I just— and if, you read, I, yeah. and if you read, the, by the way, the IG report on all of this— it's pretty scathing. I, I'm surprised yeah, it, it didn't get as much in an in-depth coverage as it does. It was a pretty scathing IG Inspector General report, kind of laying out all of the problems that led up to all of this, including dishonesty from some FBI, senior leadership in FBI. 
That is what we need to be concerned about. And I, you know, again, I am a FBI guy. I serve proudly. We did great work chasing gangsters in Chicago. But this is really concerning. I hear you. Uh, thanks so much, uh, uh, Congressman. I'll talk to you again soon. Congressman Mike Rogers. I hope so. Appreciate it. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to squeeze in some calls, I promise. one 408 Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. My dear friend and fellow late-night host Jimmy Kimmel has tested positive for COVID once again. We wish him a speedy recovery, but I do want to point out, getting COVID twice is kind of my thing. <laughs> and if you're going to steal my bit, Jimmy, I have no choice to steal one of yours, too. It's time for mean tweets. Get better, Kimmel, because you can't get worse. Sad to hear that COVID sidelined my third favorite Jimmy after Fallon and Dean Sausage. (laughs) Jimmy Kimmel has COVID? Who cares? I only watch his show for the roots anyway. Okay. It was his, I feel like his opportunity to steal the bit that he's wanted to for a long time. Right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's unbelievable these guys getting double vaccinated and getting it twice. How many did Saki got it three or four times? So, I mean, they, and they're the big vaccination people. Uh, I happen to just note, I've never had it. Did get vaccinated. Didn't get a booster. So, um, by the way, the big push now, you see this, uh, I saw a Newsday, local Newsday, it's a local newspaper here. Uh, in public areas, the CDC is recommending in high transmit and high case areas to wear a mask again. I saw uh, that. No one's wearing a mask. Didn't you, we got to look at the Hopkins study. The Hopkins study said it only makes you 2% safer. We know it totally shuts down conversation. It's not good for you to exhale and then breathe back in your carbon dioxide. Enough. I mean, also just the fact that everyone who's still getting it now has all been vaccinated. And yes, it may be, you know, they less. They wear masks, six feet, staying in their basement, they're all getting it. A virus is going to virus. You're going to get it at some point. Most right. likely, hopefully, if you're elderly, you take all the properly preca- proper precautions. But we can't be scared. Right. Can't be scared. Make your own decision. Leave me alone. Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much. Don't forget, One Nation coming up now. It's getting close. Saturday at 8 o'clock or at 11. You could set a DVR. Set it for series. Don't move. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. So glad you're here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine, uh, where I think the Ukrainians are really fighting for freedom in the West. I firmly believe that it's not just about them. I know there's a growing sense in the Republican Party. Ah, we got to stop writing checks. I don't feel that way. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, find out what Mike Huckabee thinks, former contender for presidency, former governor of Arkansas, uh, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, Also, Dr. Ben Carson at 20 minutes after the 17th secretary of the Department of of Housing and Urban Development. I'll talk about that as well as crime. Do you know in New York City alone, we lead the nation with an increase of uh, violent crime up 40 percent. That is to me insane. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The allegations against this particular attorney, I believe, are the tip of the iceberg. And that connection between Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, the fake dossier, and others very high up at DOJ and FBI, how could all of this be going on? Unbelievable. That was Mark Meadows, former chief of staff of the president. Coming together, Durham is making his case and laying the foundation for how the Russia hoax was created. As Mike Sussman stands trial, but many others, like Hillary Clinton, have to be feeling the heat. We'll discuss it. I would class myself as, as a moderate, and you know, neither Republican nor, nor Democrat. Um, and in fact, uh, I have voted, voted overwhelmingly for Democrats uh, historically, overwhelmingly. Like, I, I'm not sure, I, I might never have voted for a Republican, just to be clear. Right. Um, now, now, this election, I would. Wow. Elon Musk, primarily speaking, has been a great star for Republicans as their turnout in the first 10 states far exceeds 2018. But before we look ahead to Georgia on Tuesday, we have to wait on a winner for the Senate race from this Tuesday in Pennsylvania. Well, the latest on the GOP as they go head over heels for their newest voter, Elon Musk. Number one. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. Wow, take your time, Mr. President. Too slow and too tone deaf. That's where the Biden administration continues to be. Case in point, they are only now using the DPA to sprint baby formula to shelves after knowing about the shortage in February. Plus, they would wait until February to name an FDA director. Plus, they now have to pause and assume blow up their ridiculous disinformation panel. More on that in a second. Let's go back to the formula. So we know the Abbott Lab in, um, in Michigan is the problem. We've known about that since a whistleblower came out last fall. We've known about it in February because it's such a big company that means so much. We know currently only 43% of the shelves are full that they normally would be for, uh, for baby formula, which can't be made or made up in people's homes. So the president was urged to, to the Defensive Production Act. And here's what Harold Ford said. Cut three. You have to wonder, one, when they shut, when we knew from a safety standpoint that we would have to stop producing, I believe, at Abbott, why wasn't this smart action taken then? Too long term, we need probably more production here in this country. We seem to have a limited number of companies that produce a baby formula. That should not be the case. I do hope that the lost art form of people coming together, Democrats, Republicans alike, trying to fix a problem after we allocate the blame, and there's blame to be assigned here, that we figure out ways to not be in this situation ever again. Right. Uh, Harold Ford always making sense. Uh, and as a Democrat, too, it's important just to not blindly just support something or go against something because of your party, like Joe Manchin, for example. Uh, Jen Psaki was asked about the Defense Production Act and why haven't they done it for the baby formula like the Problem Solvers Caucus has done. You know the shelves are bare wherever you go. I mean, I was in Boston, Los Angeles, and Long Island, and all three have one thing in common. Uh, the shelves were bare, totally empty. Um, in two of the cases, there were all the baby formula was behind the counter because you know how terrible people moms are? They tried to buy extra because they might be out. And they got to make sure these horrible moms don't have a chance to do that. Because remember, hoarding is the issue. Jen Psaki, cut to. So the reason why it would have a longer-term impact is because 
the, the production of, manu of uh, baby formula is so specialized and so specific that you can't just use the Defense Production Act to say to a company that produces something else, produce baby formula. It just doesn't work that way exactly. That is something that could be a consideration over the longer term. And certainly there are ways that the Defense Production Act has been used in other industries, right, as it relates to a chemical that is needed or a specific tool or part that is needed. Uh, so right now, of course, we're keeping that option under consideration. Famously, the car companies, Ford, Chrysler, GM, converted their car floors, their manufacturing floors, to make ventilators, and they did. So I guess Ford's going to be asked to make baby formula. So now, oh, give, give me the give me the Jeep. Uh, the my my kid loves the Jeep formula the best as opposed to the Ford. So it doesn't make sense because you don't have a manual. You have a manufacturing problem. You don't have a shortage. We have the ingredients. We just have a place to make it. So here's what Peter Pitt says. Now, who's Peter Pitts? Former FDA associate commissioner. Why is that important? Because the president didn't even have an FDA commissioner, despite the fact he took over in a pandemic, until February, a full year plus. Listen to what he said about the reality of what the president's doing. Cut for It's tough talk. It's smoke and mirrors. And it's insulting to American parents. You know what makes up baby formula? Rice starch, corn syrup, and protein concentrate from cow's milk. Commodities. There's no shortage. Never been a shortage. There isn't one less skew of baby formula because of a shortage. So the Defense Production Act, it's just it's smoke and mirrors. It's insulting. And the president's saying he's going to fly in baby formula. From where? There's no baby formula depot anywhere in the world. And where's he going to fly it to? And once it gets to the U.S., how is it going to get distributed? American parents want to know when the problem is going to be solved, not sound bites that are ridiculous uh, from the outset. Right. So, so Jen Psaki might have been right. Well, she used to have that job. Uh, the new press secretary is absolutely awful, does not know what she's talking about, reads everything from a form, sometimes from the wrong pages. So just useless. You want legitimate information to do a story. If you really want to approach it, you're supposed to fill in gaps for your story. Uh, but she doesn't even know the answer, so what she says she doesn't even mean. Uh, here's more from Peter Pitts, cut six. The FDA inspected the uh, Abbott facility in Sturgis, Michigan. Uh, it was uh, horrible, you know, bad quality, bad safety protocols. It had to be closed. It would have been regulatory malpractice to allow it to be open. So they did the right thing. They also then reached out to all the other manufacturers and said, ramp up your production so we can help ameliorate this crisis. And they did. So these other manufacturers are producing upwards of 30 percent more than they did before, all to the good. And then the FDA stopped. They, they, they continued working with Abbott to fix the factory, but they should have put in place a really aggressive education campaign to tell American parents, listen, there might be shortages, be aware of it, understand what's happening. They should have talked to retail outlets to make sure there was no hoarding or panic, panic buying, and then been transparent and truthful with American parents throughout the process. Here's what we're doing. Here's how it's going. But they didn't do that. And the result was, in May, parents go into the retail stores, the shelves are empty, and they panic. Listen, I don't want to take too much time away from Ben Carson. It's a terrible staff. The chief of staff is awful. Spends all his time meeting with the squad. You have a secretary of labor as a show horse. Doesn't do anything, including get rid of the supply chain issues. He could actually be defining himself and showing himself the MVP of that staff. Instead, the MVP left is Jen Psaki. You might not like how what she said or her smugness or, or sly smile, but she was good at her job. And I want somebody that's good at their job, a Jay Johnson. I'd rather have Tom Holman, okay? But Jay Johnson's really good at his job. The, these people are not, they're terrible, and they, I feel like they're lazy. 
And people have told me because of COVID, when you walk into the White House, the whole place is empty. Who's ever working from home? There's no synergy for the rest of the departments. And that is an issue. Uh, Listen, we come back. Ben Carson's with us. He's got a brand new book out called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Parents, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. White supremacy is a poison. It's a poison running through our... It really is. Running through our body politic. And it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. Uh, That is the President of the United States in Buffalo on Sunday. And also, you know what also is bad? The subway shooter who happened to hate white people and uh, also hated Jews. And he wrote it everywhere he could. uh, And he said it uh, on video and put it on YouTube. The president didn't show up for that. Just makes things worse. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but we have gotten a whole lot better. And Dr. Ben Carson knows that firsthand. He's got a brand new book out, Ben Carson, I should say, called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And I was uh, lucky enough to get an early copy and endorse it. Uh, Ben Carson, welcome back. Well, thank you, Brian. It's always good to be with you. I appreciate it. Uh, You just knew your topic, uh, almost sadly, was going to be in the news by the time you released your book. And now we're talking about white supremacy. You have a different perspective on white supremacy. You, like, lived it. You remember the KKK was in the South, right? Oh, there's there's no question about that. But what what people need to recognize is that you know, we have changed dramatically uh, in this country, and there are those who wish to use the race issue issue as a cudgel to beat people into submission, uh, to make white people feel guilty. And one of the consequences of that, intentional or non-intentional, I'm not sure, but if you're feeling guilty, you're not likely to be as vocal <clears throat> about some of the things that are going on. So when people start talking about defunding the police, letting dangerous criminals back out to terrorize communities, uh, not guarding our borders so that everybody can come in. And, you know, if you're feeling really guilty, you're just kind of going to stand in the corner with your head down and hope nobody calls you a racist. Uh, that's, that's not good for our country, nor is it, and it's not true either. And then there are those who say that we're a systemically racist country. But if we were systemically racist, why would people be forming caravans trying to get in here? And when they got here, wouldn't they call all their relatives and friends and say, don't come here. This is a horrible place. That's not what's going on. And I think there are a lot of people who want to fundamentally change this nation who just say to you, don't believe your right. eyes. Don't believe your ears. Don't believe your heart. Just listen to us. We'll tell you what you're supposed to think. And then some lunatic like this 18-year-old crops up, kills people brutally in Buffalo and says, I'm a white supremacist. And they say, I told you how bad white people are. And it's just so skewed and (laughs) whole people start thinking. So the big story was a few years ago, when I imagine you started on this book, was Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd riots. And you were still in office at the time. Here's uh, Patrice Cullors was running. Uh, was running BLM, but walked away from the job when she realized people actually wanted her to spend money on causes that help. Here's what she said is the cause of her problems when it comes to the accountability and the millions that are missing. The way that the 
right-wing media specifically has characterized the mistakes are truly anti-Black. They are about this idea that Black people, especially Black women, don't know how to manage money, don't know how to manage funds, don't know what to do with money. And um, the reality is, is if any organization received tens of millions of dollars in one to two months' time, everybody would be trying to figure out what you do with it. Well, how about leave it there until you figure it out? Is it really, <laughs> is it racism because people want to say, where is the money? Uh, of course it's not. And, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, they took it down off their website, but, you know, they're anti-nuclear uh, family. And, you know, some of the concepts that they are against are the very things that lead to success. Uh, for instance, there are those who talk about the wealth gap and how it's five to 10 X black families to white families. And it's true that I'm not denying that it's true, but are we talking about the right reasons? Is it really because of systemic racism? Because if you look at Ghanaian families and Nigerian families, they're black also in this country, but there's no wealth gap. And what do you notice about those families? You know, in a Nigerian family, a bachelor's degree is the baseline. That's where you start yep. with your educational endeavors. And there's a tremendous emphasis on family and family structure. Now, traditional black American families who also hold those values, there's also very little or no wealth gap. So is it possible that maybe we're looking at the wrong stuff? A hundred percent. That way to me. Yeah, it does. And you lived at a time when there was segregation. They did tell you. Uh, blacks in the certain parts of this country that you experience, uh, you don't sit here. You don't use this water fountain. You don't. Use, it was uh, the Jim Crow era. Why do you have no anger and bitterness from those days? Why did you grow from it, overcome it? Uh, the poverty, single parent family, mom being illiterate. You become one of the the nation's, the world's premier brain surgeons, and a very successful uh, secretary of HUD. Why why do you harbor no bitterness, Doctor Carson? Well, because I look at the big picture. You know, my mother never accepted excuses. If an excuse came out of her mouth, the next thing out of her mouth was a poem called Yourself to Blame. And the next question was, do you have a brain? If the answer was yes, then you could have thought your way out of it. It doesn't matter what somebody else did or what somebody else thought. And, you know, when you live your life that way, you're not really looking for other people to blame. You know, they may have a problem with you, but that's their problem. As my mother used to always say, if you walk into the auditorium full of racist, bigoted people, you don't have a problem. They have a problem because they're all going to cringe and wonder if you're going to sit next to them and you can sit anywhere you want. And, you know, that's kind of the philosophy that I've adopted. You know, focus on the real problems. Don't let everybody else's problem be your problem. But I also have to say, that America has changed dramatically during my lifetime. When I was a kid, it was a big deal when a black person came on television in a non-servile role, and you called everybody in to watch it. It was just a big deal. Now, in today's world, in my in the same lifetime, the very same lifetime, we have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations and university presidents, including Ivy Leagues. We've elected a black president twice. We have a black vice president. To sit there and say that things have not changed is absolutely absurd. Now, we haven't reached nirvana, 
And, you know, we need to reach a point where we see people as people. And that's what Dr. King was talking about. He longs for the day when we judge people not on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And I think a lot of us have reached that point. Uh, There are those who want us to think that we haven't reached that point, that we're still full of hatred and bigotry. Uh, There are some who are like that. I will readily admit that. But I don't think that's the majority of America by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. uh, uh, The book is called The Painful Past, Confusing Present, Hopeful Future of the Race in America. you got to read this book, and you got to get it. And, Dr. Carson, we only have 20 seconds left, but do you hope Donald Trump runs again? Uh, I would not be opposed to that at all. But I hope uh, if he runs again, he can let some things roll off his back and he doesn't have to respond to everything. That would be great. He'll listen to you. I don't think there's, there's few people <laughs> in the world he respects uh, more than you, uh, Dr. Carson. And I know that for a fact, for a very good reason. Oh, thank you. Uh, there's nothing he can't do, and this will be a bestseller. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, thanks so much. Congratulations on the book. Thank you for being a patriot, Brian. You got it. Uh, the book is called Created Equal. Download it. You won't regret it. Back with Mike Huckabee. You're listening to The Brian Me Show. So glad you're here. That makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Uh, that is a Democratic witness. I don't know. What, what, do we even know the topic, Allison? I mean, for that, this is the idiocy we're dealing with in our schools, uh, among the woke amongst us, the crazy things we've been reading about. And when you push back, they try to cancel you. Uh, Governor Mike Huffey doesn't care about that. He's got his own show. He's got his own studio. He's got his own building. You got to see that it should be the as soon as soon Nashville is going to be the Huckabee land. Mike Huckabee joins us now. He's Fox News contributor, former Arkansas governor. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Brian. I, I may have to cut this short because I'm very concerned that I'm about to go into labor. And so if that happens, I, I may have to rush to the emergency room and on to maternity. What is what is going on? I mean, do you believe that, that that's a congressional that's congressional testimony? It, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard, Brian. I mean, we all grew up believing there are men and women. And uh, as somebody has once said, there's a difference between men and women, and viva la difference. But now we have people who are saying men can be women, women can be men, and you just do it by imagining. You don't even have to have the surgery anymore. You just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm kind of feeling feminine. I think I'm going to be a woman. And how this is supposed to work out biologically is beyond me. I'm tired of hearing the people on the left tell me to follow the science when they seem to reject science that most of us learned when we were in the first, second, or third grade about boys and girls and the differences. So here's it. This uh, this woman's name is Amy Arambide. She's the executive director of Abortion Rights, a nonprofit uh, Texas company. She was asked by Dan Bishop to define what a, a woman is when she responded, I believe that everyone can identify for themselves— 
And then he says, all right, do you believe uh, that a man and woman can get pregnant? And then he gives, she answers, a man can get pregnant. Do you believe that a man can become pregnant and have an abortion? She said, yes. And you, oh, what, what, plan, what planet is she on? Well, what I would think the follow-up question from the congressman should have been is, okay, can you give me any examples and can you document when a man has been pregnant and when he's had an abortion? Uh, since you run abortion clinics and you're an abortion advocate, can you give us some insight into that? Because we found zero evidence that any person uh, who has male characteristics and male DNA has been pregnant or has had an abortion. And if you have some indication that that's you know, the case, we'd sure like to see it because that would be some amazing scientific discovery. And you be at the forefront because I'll have this tape to show you requested it first. Absolutely. Right. Because I want to be on the forefront of science. I've always wanted to be a pioneer and a trailblazer. And I figured if I went into labor, not just because of my gender, but at my age, I mean, a 66-year-old male giving birth. Listen, that's historic, Brian. you got to admit. Right. I mean, and you see so many real problems we have right now. I mean, you see how much stuff is going wrong in this country. We have gas. The gas stations are now preparing to put down an extra digit, $10. They're prepared for $10 a gallon. We're going to get back. They also said not only are we going to be more expensive, we might have to ration back to even in odd days in which we get it. We're asking Venezuela to pump more, and we're going to release the sanctions on that terrorist regime sponsored by China, Russia, and Cuba. We're probably going to do the same thing with Iran. And at the same time, uh, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, we know what's going on with the baby formula, that we don't have enough because of a manufacturing problem, but we never reacted to it. Governor, you, you were never, you know, governors are in charge, but they're not doing everything. I think the president has the worst staff in the history of the White House. I think Elon Musk is right. The person running the uh, country right now is the person who's operating his teleprompter. I'm convinced Joe Biden doesn't even know what's in his teleprompter, but he just reads it. He's very much like, and I thought Elon Musk's description was perfect, he's like Ron Burgundy on Anchorman. He reads whatever's put in front of him, no matter how ridiculous it is. What you just mentioned, Brian, is what I wish every American would stop and think about. This country has enough oil and gas resources to take care of us, even with increased use for four or 500 years. And that's assuming we don't come up with any new technology, that we just use what we currently have. But if you add to that the capacity of adding nuclear uh, and, and green energy, we're all for fine with that. But it needs to be efficient and affordable, neither of which it is uh, at the current rate for what we need. But Joe Biden has declared war on what we have in order to dream about what we don't have and what we're not going to have for the foreseeable future. And the result is a gut punch to every American family. And if they don't understand that elections have consequences, to quote Barack Obama, then they're going to deserve more of these ridiculous prices, empty shelves at the grocery store, 20 percent hike in groceries, double the cost of fuel from what it was when Joe Biden took office, and millions of people pouring across the border that their taxes are going to have to pay for this is beyond insanity. It has to stop. I would think so. Uh, Governor, I watched the Durham trial, and I think about your daughter, how many days she had to get up there, instead of talking about the issues of the day, talk about some latest rumor planted at CNN or MSNBC or The Washington Post 
or New York Times about uh, what about the Russia collusion with the Trump organization and with Donald Trump to become president. And now we find out after and I read the whole Mueller report, uh, no, no conclusion. There was uh, there was no collusion. Uh, there was some disturbing uh, contact, nothing of note, but it was on both sides. It, it turns out to be if we keep an eye on the dorm report. When she was getting all this pressure because of her hacked emails that leaked out how black she was about her own security and how ridiculous she was with her own policies, as all that got into the mainstream, she wanted a distraction. So along with her staff, they used contacts at the FBI, contacts in the media, and created this scenario where Trump and Putin were together. And now it's being unwound. If people would pay attention of the Michael Sussman trial uh, with the Durham investigation. What do you think will come of this, and how close are you watching this? Well, it's very concerning that uh, the judge has allowed some jurors onto that jury who were Hillary Clinton donors, some who were uh, Sierra Club uh, donors and uh, members, people who uh, clearly had bias, one who said, well, I will strive to the best of my ability to be fair. Not that I would be, but I'll try uh, that's really concerning because only one juror has to uh, uh, decide the person is innocent or not fully guilty, and this trial's over. Now, the good part is the information will come out and people can see that there was absolutely collusion, but it wasn't Trump or the Trump campaign. It was Hillary Clinton and the millions of dollars that she paid in order to create this phony thing that the Democrats continued to push when they knew it was a lie. But here's an interesting thing. The, uh, the person who is um, his, the, the judge's wife worked for and is a close associate of, get ready, Merrick Garland. So don't, do you not see some kind of uh, uh, interesting connection going on? It's just beyond you. It's just like you can't make it up. Here is what Devin Nunes said about that. Cut 28. If this case was not brought in D.C., and I'm sure Durham had to bring the case to D.C., uh, there's no way that Sussman would not have pled guilty. Sussman's best case right now is that he can get one or two jurors to hold this up to let him off scot-free. If not, none of their story adds up. So the good thing that we are learning from this is that for the first time, Durham is actually able to bring direct evidence that Mark and Jim Jordan, some of us, we didn't have some of this direct evidence. We only had circumstantial evidence. So, and he just talks about what's coming forward. And Mark Elias was on the stand for three hours. We know he's that evil lawyer behind so much diabolical things to come out of here. So do you think about this, Governor? Bad enough happened during the election, but it picked up steam after he became president. And you've talked to the president offline. I don't think, uh, I know how much he likes you and your family. I mean, how much did that weigh on him? Well, I think it was a, a clear distraction. There's no way for it not to be. I think it was less a distraction for him than it would have been for almost any other human being because so much just rolls off of him. But there's no way you can have that kind of pressure, be impeached twice, all on phony evidence and nonsense. And I just feel like that there are times when people need to step back and ask, why are we not investigating the level of corruption? And by the way, I may have misspoken. Let me be very clear. Cooper, the judge's wife, Amy Jeffress, actually is an attorney who represented Lisa Page, and the two of them were married, uh, Cooper and uh, Jeffress, were married by Merrick Garland. So it, in a way, it's even worse. worse. I mean, the, it, it's just, 
it's crazy that all these people are all tied together. And then we're supposed to believe that they're going to be completely objective when they walk into the courtroom. Uh, it, it's it's beyond belief that that would happen. And let me just bring you to something that's breaking right now. The president of the United States historically will be um, he, he's at the White House now with the uh, the leaders of Sweden and Finland who have formally petitioned to join NATO. Uh, this is unbelievable. They are true assets to the alliance. And I'll add one other thing. Turkey might be standing in their way. I say you kick out Turkey if that's the problem. Yeah, you know, it's always been a little weird to me that Turkey was in NATO. I mean, I understand we have military facilities there, and probably that's why uh, they were ever placed. Uh, But they have become increasingly radicalized, especially under Erdogan. And they're no longer uh, as much an ally to the U.S. and to the democracies of Europe as they are an ally to Russia and to Vladimir Putin. So it may be time to realign NATO and decide, hey, yeah. who wants to stand for democracy and who wants to stand for totalitarian government and radicalism and make the decision and, and reformat? You just got back from Israel. I know the CUNY system in the city, the city uh, system, wants to go back to uh, defunding Israel because of the way they treat the Palestinians. Could you describe what things are like over there? But so suddenly the cadence of terror attacks are coming back. Well, the squad who keeps talking about this nonsense are insane. They're delusional. Uh, The Palestinians are treated far better in Israel than any Jew is treated in the Palestinian Authority or in any Muslim country. Israel holds only one 615th of the landmass, as is controlled by Muslims. So when you hear people say, why don't the Israelis give up land? Well, they did. They gave up Gaza. And what did that get them? Thousands of Katusha rockets fired into civilian targets in Israel, attempting to kill children and civilians. So if, if there is really a push to say, let's have a Palestinian nation, fine. The Muslim nations have 615 times the landmass as Israel. Pick a few uh, hundred square miles and create it. But there are actual Muslims serving in the Israeli Knesset. Can you name me one Jew who is in the government of the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Iraq, Iran? No, because there aren't any. So there's just a a lot of lies that are told, and most of it is the irrational anti-Semitic hate that comes from people like uh, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Uh, These are dangerous people with very, very uh, sad and hateful ideas. Hear you. Uh, Governor Mike Huckabee, thanks so much. Always great to hear from you. Thanks, Brian. Good to talk to you. All right. Uh, Governor Huckabee, still in the eye of the storm. one 408 7669 I'm watching to see if anything relevant comes out, but it's good news. Sweden and Finland here in America to make sure they have our support for joining NATO and let Russia know how much this operation has backfired on them in Ukraine. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
I fully understand Americans' concerns that they don't want government involved in policing speech. And good news, this initiative wasn't involved in policing speech and neither was I. Um, I think, you know, it is important that our government get involved when we have real threats to our national security. So it's not just uh, things like election interference, which we've seen and which DHS has combated also, but uh, threats at the border, disinformation that is driving people to migrate here, disinformation that could affect critical infrastructure like our financial systems and gas pipelines. All of that has very real effects for the safety of Americans. And frankly, I think DHS and other federal agencies need to be involved because this problem isn't going away. It's only getting worse. A couple of things. That is the former disinformation secretary, Czar. Uh, she is, uh, after she found out they're pausing the program, she resigned. No kidding. What an embarrassment she is. Uh, and then she went ahead and does this video of imitating her critics on video. I mean, it's just so unbecoming somebody who's a cabinet secretary or supposed to be serving the White House. So the disinformation committee with this Mayorkas, who's probably the worst serving secretary I've ever seen, uh, totally ineffective and a liar, comes out and says, oh, by the way, I know we're focusing on the border, but we have a disinformation. Uh, we have a disinformation team uh, with a czar and they've been in place for three months. Excuse me? Disinformation. Who's deciding that? Who is this person? We find that she put together some parody. She loves musicals. Not no joke. No malarkey. And she is a blatant partisan, even though Mayorka says the person is a nonpartisan. And what she's describing about getting information, telling other countries not to come here and stopping them from advertising to come here through human traffickers, that's the State Department's job, not Homeland Security's job. We already have people in place there. Staff the consulates. We don't need her. So she's out. She's done. But as Vivek Ramaswamy told me today, a cyber expert, a self-made multimillionaire, he said, I'm not convinced they disbanded the team. I'm not convinced that they're just trying to get the uh, the pressure off. But uh, she went ahead and embarrassed herself. And then uh, she is uh, out of a job. And I think that I don't know who's going to ever hire in government. I mean, if did anyone even look at her background and say, well, wait a second. Uh, you know, wait a second. I'm not sure somebody who has this type of work online and a YouTube channel with her singing and mocking Rudy Giuliani will be a nonpartisan player when it comes to this information. So uh, here is uh, Mayorkas actually making the announcement. Listen to this. Cut 13. She has, for starters, consistently misinformed the public about the Hunter Biden laptop story and spread the lie that it was Russian propaganda. She has consistently spread false and misleading claims about the Steele dossier, which we now know was actually itself a piece of Russian propaganda. Here she is on August the 7th, 2020, promoting Christopher Steele, the stooge who helped launder Russian propaganda including lying to the FBI about it. Here she is lauding him. She has used social media and the public to launder propaganda herself. Were you aware of this information when you chose her, everything I, I've just shown you? I was not. What, how could you not be? Uh, uh, Did you do any research on her? Senator, Senator, uh, I will not uh, discuss the internal workings of the hiring process. Case in point, nobody does any work in this administration. They are lazy, inefficient, incompetent, unwilling to roll up their sleeves and be good, which also presents an opportunity. When in a weak team, if you go out there and you play hard on any level in white-collar, blue-collar jobs and sports or in life, you will stand out more than you should. But nobody's doing their job there. 
Actually, I, like I said, I thought Jen Psaki was the best for what she had to do. People might not have liked her approach, but nobody can doubt that she was competent and was the best messenger for that White House. They lost a lot with this new one. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Brian Kilmeade Show. If you want to know about history, win the war in history, order any of my books at briankilmeade.com. I'll sign and send. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, where crime is up 40%, but I won't let it bother me. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're at 48th and 6th, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, Dana Perino's coming up right after her TV show's over, which is right now. And then Mark Thiessen at the bottom of the hour, former chief uh, speechwriter for George W. Bush, Fox News contributor, Washington Post columnist. We'll discuss that. Kind of historic. I think it's great news. Uh, and right now, the Swedish president is speaking. Uh, Sweden and Finland will both join together at NATO. They're applying. He's asking, the President of the United States is asking Congress to approve it. I hope they fast-track it and get every vote. Uh, some won't vote for it. They say, why are we doing it? It makes NATO stronger, no question about it, and shows what a loser move, total uh, swing and miss this was uh, for Russia, who are paying a, a economic and political price. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by LifeVac. Save a life in a choking emergency. Visit LifeVac.net to learn more and use code BK10 to save 10%. Number three. The allegations against this particular attorney, I believe, are the tip of the iceberg. And that connection between Fusion GPS... Christopher Steele, the fake dossier, and others very high up at DOJ and FBI. How could all of this be going on? Yep, coming together, uh, Durham is making his case and laying the foundation for how the Russia probe really got started. Michael Sussman stands trial. Mark Elias was on yesterday. Jim Baker was also on for 45 minutes yesterday. Will all things point back to Hillary Clinton eventually? Will the D.C. jury be biased left? Number two. I would classify myself as, as a moderate, and you know, neither Republican nor, nor Democrat. Um, and in fact, uh, I have voted voted overwhelmingly for Democrats uh, historically, overwhelmingly. Like, I, I'm not sure. I, I might never have voted for a Republican, just to be clear. Right. Um, now, now, this election, I would. Yeah, uh, you hear that? This election, he will. Primarily speaking, he's been a great start for Republicans. Their turnout for the first 10 states exceeds 2018. By a mile, we still do not have a winner in Philadelphia for the Senate race. But I'll tell you, all eyes are going to be Tuesday for Georgia as the president's candidate, former Senator Purdue, is having a hell of a time trying to catch the sitting governor, Governor Brian Kemp. Number one. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. That is Joe Biden. Too slow and too tone deaf. That's what the Biden administration continues to be. Case in point, they are now using Defense Production Act for baby formula. Now that almost all the shelves are bare and we have no alternative. Plus, they wait till February to name an FDA director and they pause and assume blow up their ridiculous disinformation panel two weeks after it was announced. So we'll wait for Dana to come up. But in the meantime, uh, let's talk a little. Uh, Let's talk about what the president did. Here he is announcing the Defense Production Act. Cut one. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. I've directed the Department of Defense 
and the Department of Health and Human Services to send aircraft planes overseas to pick up infant formula that meets U.S. health and safety standards so we can get it on the store shelves faster. Right. But the problem is it's we have the ingredients. We don't have the proper lab to put it all together because Abbott Labs has been down since a whistleblower came up and stuck it to them for having shoddy work practices. And we had no plan B because you had no FDA director that's part of it. There's a lot of people in the FDA, but there's no one, obviously, that they cared enough to step up. And it blows me away because people do do those jobs not for money, not for fame, certainly. They do it because they feel they can give back to the government and have the skill set to be successful. Britt Hume is impressed with the move. Cut seven. Well, this is probably a reasonable thing to do. Uh, one wonders why it wasn't done sooner and how this crisis was able, ever able to become a crisis uh, when the administration has said that they knew that this was a problem some months ago when they shut that uh, factory down here in this country. The FDA shut that factory down here in this country. Um, so once again, it looks like the administration is on the case finally. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, you never expected to see the President of the United States, as you just suggested, sitting behind the Resolute desk talking about baby formula. But here we are. Absolutely. He's talking to Gerbers. Uh, and he's talking to him. And it was all a show because he learned nothing. Thanks for calling. And then he says, here's my De- Defense Production Act. What's going to change? Uh, Peter Pitts was on, as a former FDA commissioner, was on this morning. And he's, he is absolutely incensed that the President's doing this. Cut for it. It's tough talk, it's smoke and mirrors, and it's insulting to American parents. You know what makes up baby formula? Rice starch, corn syrup, and protein concentrate from cow's milk. Commodities. There's no shortage. Never been a shortage. There isn't one less skew of baby formula because of a shortage. So the Defense Production Act, it's just it's smoke and mirrors. It's insulting. And the president's saying he's going to fly in baby formula? From where? There's no baby formula depot anywhere in the world. And where's he going to fly it to? And once it gets to the U.S., how is it going to get distributed? American parents want to know when the problem is going to be solved, not sound bites that are ri- ridiculous uh, from the outset. All right, let's talk about the election if we can. Uh, we have McCormick still against Dr. Oz. There's about 1,200 votes separating them. There's a, there's a sense in the McCormick camp, since they have more mail-in ballots their way, and he's got a military background, and military ballots, for the most part, have not been counted yet, that he could make up that difference uh, that Oz has over him. Remember, he led most of the night. Oz surged ahead of him. He was up by about 2,500 yesterday. It's down to about 1,200 now. I have not seen the ticker yet today, uh, but the Wall Street Journal says, uh, Pennsylvania doesn't allow officials to process mail-in ballots. That's why, until Election Day, that is why things have gone so slow. State officials say as of 11 o'clock, it was 105,000 ballots that were not counted. If, it, if the distance between both candidates is 0.05%, there's an automatic recount, which means you might have a Georgia result before you, with Herschel Walker running on the right, along with Brian Kemp looking to get the nomination again. You might have a Georgia result before you have a Pennsylvania result. Uh, so far, 175 days till the midterms. The Dems turnout has been down 29 percent. The GOP turnout is at 60 percent, up 13 percent uh, from t- 2012 and even more uh, from uh, 2016. So when we come back, I'll talk to Dana about that. I want to get into the Durham probe with her and see where she thinks this is going. Uh, there's a lot of interest in it. I can't tell you many very smart people said to me, what exactly is going on with Durham? Well, now we know. Don't move. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
the fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I am obviously acutely aware uh, that my presence at this podium uh, represents a few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. So, yeah, that was uh, one of her first statements. And I'll tell you, I've never seen anyone struggle like that. Dana Perino's with me right now. And the thing that what struck me is that not so much being nervous or anything, just like she just had no instinctive answers to things. Dana Perino, co-anchor of America's Newsroom, uh, The Five, author of Everything Will Be Okay, Everything Will Be Okay, still on paperback now. Dana, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for being here. I saw Jen Psaki. <laughs> I, I, I said that Jen Psaki was like their most competent member no doubt. of the administration. No doubt. And, you know, one of the things that she had was, one, a presence at the podium, um, and sometimes that is instinctual, as you just mentioned, instincts, but also her experience level was incredible because if you think back to the uh, Obama days, she was the State Department spokesperson, yeah. and she used to get – just pummeled every day by James Rosen, who used to be with Fox, and Matt Lee of the Associated Press. Right. And they had a lot of issues. If you remember Obama State Department, a lot of issues, right? Huge. Iran, and you had um, ISIS, the rise of ISIS, um, amongst other things. North Korea. Right. Uh, Pull out of Iraq. So when Jen Psaki comes to the White House, I think people were kind of surprised, right? Because there weren't a lot of people around the Biden team that – uh, were that were elevated. So Simone Sanders, who was on the Biden campaign team, it would seem like that would be a natural person to put up at the podium. She's very experienced um, as a spokesperson. Uh, she hadn't only been in punditry before. She had actually worked on these campaigns and sort of knew the press corps. They didn't give her the job. And I think Ron Klain probably wanted somebody that was more of a steady hand that might be able to just, like, jump on in here and help us with all these things that were going on uh, on foreign policy-wise. One of the things for me that really helped um, was I was so happy being the deputy to Scott McClellan and then to Tony Snow. And Tony Snow was a very different press secretary, super generous in the willingness to allow me to fill in for him at the podium and to travel with the president uh, and to be in the meetings with the president. And he also had me brief the president before press conferences. So he was very much hands off. He wasn't worried about FaceTime with the yeah. boss. That was so big for me. One of the things that surprises me for this team here at this White House because of COVID and their concerns, like they don't have a lot of interaction with the boss. And one of the things that would be to have instincts, but it's also to be able to say, I just talked to the president about that yesterday, yeah. and here's what he said. And they don't have that capability. Well, what would stop her from going meeting with the president on, on every major meeting? Because remember, Tony Snow wanted that before he went. He said, oh, if you could include me in all the meetings. Yeah. I mean, and that was an easy ask for Tony Snow because Ari Fleischer had yeah. that, Scott McClellan. That, that, that was not a question. I do think that in previous White Houses um, – that people in the communications office or the press office got cut out, thinking particularly of Dee Dee Myers, going back to the Clinton administration where nobody told her that Clinton was going to bomb Iraq or the Taliban, excuse me, to, to try to take out Osama bin Laden. Of course, remember uh, what was the missiles into a tent uh, and to hit a yeah. camel's butt or whatever that line yeah. was from the 2000 campaign. So nobody told Dee Dee Myers that that was happening because they thought it would protect her. Right. Instead, it ended up catch, making it look like she had, one, was ignorant, out of the loop, or lying to the press. 
none of the none of those things were true. So after that, I think that the relationship and the closeness between a president and a press secretary really improved. Right. And so she's got to do that. See, the thing is, I'm not worried. Like sometimes people have a halting delivery. I'm not talking about that. I was just talking about when you read her comebacks. I did this. I did sales in uh, college. And they would have all these comebacks when people didn't want to make the purchase. You have all these comebacks that you read off the board. You just read them verbatim. Hey, listen, don't worry about the money. The money's going to pay off. So you just knew how to handle it. This yeah. is a six-pack of beer to you. You got to understand. So we used to have, have this thing. I had some she, of those. She, yeah, she was yeah. reading the ones that were totally inappropriate, was all over the map. But this matters. It matters because uh, you need somebody that's going to – if the president can't fully articulate it all for himself, you need somebody who is going to do that for you. And perhaps with more additional practice, she will she will get there. Um, the thing is you don't want to practice on game day. You want to practice beforehand. And part of that is one the, – the, a press person is only as good as somebody who knows all the policy. You have to be a policy right. nerd, and then you actually also have the talent to articulate it very well. Understood. So uh, looking at what's happening right now, I cannot believe the series of events that took I place. Uh, just so, I want to play something different. You just came off a, a three-hour show. Two. Is it two? Yeah. Does it feel like get, three? I'm going to try to get you a third. Does it feel like Does three? It, yeah, no. well, <laughs> I, I don't think know. Harris will like I always feel like when I look at what I'm doing this year on, I realize Harris yeah. has my last hour. <laughs> so the Defense Production Act. Yep. Uh, it is now enacted. So Peter Pitts is on this morning on Fox and Friends First. He's a former FDA associate commissioner and by the way, how do you wait uh, a year and a half without an FDA commissioner in the middle of a pandemic? That's your fault. How do you not have an ambassador to the Ukraine? That is your fault. So here is Peter Pitts, cut four. It's tough talk, it's smoke and mirrors, and it's insulting to American parents. You know what makes up baby formula? Rice starch, corn syrup, and protein concentrate from cow's milk. Commodities. There's no shortage. Never been a shortage. There isn't one less skew of baby formula because of a shortage. So the Defense Production Act, it's just, it's smoke and mirrors. It's insulting. And the president's saying he's going to fly in baby formula. From where? There's no baby formula depot anywhere in the world. And where's he going to fly it to? And once it gets to the U.S., how is it going to get distributed? American parents want to know when the problem is going to be solved, not sound bites that are r- ridiculous uh, from the outset. This issue for me is emblematic of all, all sorts of the problems in the administration all in one. They don't have an early warning system, partly because they don't have an FDA uh, commissioner who could come to the White House and say, excuse me, chief of staff, I need a meeting with the president. We've got a problem here. This plant's going to shut down, so we need to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that we have enough baby formula for America. Nobody's doing that. Also, the media, they are so worried about former President Trump that they don't cover anything else that is happening in Washington, D.C. Do you know that every single uh, federal agency used to have a reporter from the different yeah. organizations assigned to those places. So there was somebody at the agriculture department, somebody at health and human services, someone at energy, someone at justice, etc. Well, after cutbacks over the past few years, there's nobody there. So you just have the White House reporters sparring with Jean, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, which well, is no not succeeding. And then you have that Jen Psaki on May 13th said the Defense Production Act was not something you could use in this baby formula crisis. And, and, and then you have Kamala Harris. She's really up in arms about the Roe v. Wade's SCOTUS decision that we don't have yet, but she can't make herself to ask how dare they. And then Pelosi wants to indict somebody. Who are you going to indict? Yeah, she's speaking on her own. The Biden administration? Yeah. It's really, really bad. And there's, they're so, they so want to blame everyone else. If What Corinne could do at the podium is to have some of those phrases like, I understand why you're asking that. I've asked it as well. As soon as I get a better answer, I'll come to you. In the meantime, let me tell you what we're doing. Or, that's a good question. 
let me reframe it because I think this will get to your answer. You can use some things that help give yourself a brain a couple of minutes to just like get to where you want to land right. on an answer. A uh, couple other things. Disinformation, uh, Zara. Mm-hmm. That was a great idea. I really think it worked out well. They accomplished a lot of things, really brought the country together. <laughs> um, so it's disbanded. Yeah. And then right after they, they put it on pause, Nina Jankowicz resigned. So it was right after. Um, here's what she said. Cut nine. I fully understand Americans' concerns that they don't want government involved in policing speech. And good news, this initiative wasn't involved in policing speech, and neither was I. Um, I think, you know, it is important that our government get involved when we have real threats to our national security. So it's not just uh, things like election interference, which we've seen and which DHS has combated also, but uh, threats at the border, disinformation that is driving people to migrate here, disinformation that could affect critical infrastructure, like our financial systems and gas pipelines, all of that has very real effects for the safety of Americans. And frankly, I think DHS and other federal agencies need to be involved because this problem isn't going away. It's only getting worse. That's a long answer. Okay. So on the day that this was announced, I said this board will never happen. And what's going on is the patterns are going to repeat themselves. Do you remember when Neera Tandon was the person that the Biden administration wanted to be the head of Office of Management and Budget? And they knew that there were going to be objections to her from the United States senators. They they let her hang out there for weeks. She she couldn't defend herself. They, They wouldn't let her talk. What happened? Reputation ruined. They gave her a job inside the White House that doesn't need Senate confirmation. The ATF director, same thing. The woman who was, remember the communist lady that wanted to be in charge of all the money? Yeah. Okay, they, that one, again. So I don't know who is running presidential personnel for Biden. Uh, I would say the chief of staff and Biden themselves, they are responsible for these types of things. Susan Rice as well, let me add her to that. She's the head of domestic policy. Everybody forgets because she's so quiet now, but she's right there. This woman, I'm going to defend her for a second. Nobody... In the government decided to, let's explain to America what we think the problem is and how we might try to solve it. Let's just hire this woman, give her no protection, and not do any vetting, not look at any of her tweets or any of her Instagram, and just put her out there. And then DHS said, you're not allowed to defend yourself. So she sat out there for four weeks being horrifically made fun of. I'm going to say some of it was on the marriage, sure. But now, now she's out there with a terrible reputation. All because the administration wasn't prepared to do the legwork in order to get her set up for success. Right. I mean, I think the president hired a terrible staff, has done him no favors. He's late to just about every major decision. And then blames us. Right. Fox. Yeah. It's your fault, Brian. Okay. I'll accept. Thank you, (laughs) Dean. talk show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade the trump endorsement's the most powerful political endorsement in american history without a doubt we understand that uh, the country has common sense as clay pointed out republican party is the party of common sense and regular people democrat party is the party of craziness there's a reason seven out of ten of our fellow citizens think the country's on the wrong track. In my time in politics, I don't know if I've ever seen wrong track numbers that bad. And that's because America has common sense. And they understand that a, a Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, had to approve that witness.
witness. They went out and got that witness to come testify. That shows you how out, out of touch they are with reality and with the American people. And why I think, as you said and as Clay said, it's going to be a good night for Republicans on November 8th. And that means a good night for the country. Yeah, uh, let's see. The president's doing real good with his endorsements, but it's not an automatic bid to the finals. Uh, it's definitely not a, a hall pass, and especially we're seeing that now with Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick. Mark Thiessen joins us now. How do you feel, Mark, the Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor? How do you feel as though uh, Trump is doing so far 10 states in? Well, I mean, a lot of the people he's endorsed ran unopposed. Uh, so, so you know, he's racking up the numbers by, you know, sort of like the Harlem Globetrotters and the, uh, the Washington Generals. It's like, you know, they're, 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 there's, there really isn't a competition there. And, I mean, it was clearly decisive in J.D. Vance's case. Uh, but if you, re- if you look at the polls before Trump's endorsement, J.D. Vance was at about 23 percent. He ended up being at uh, 32 plus uh, when, he, when he won. So about one in 10 Republicans move, do what Donald Trump says. Right. It's about the same with the, with the, with Dr. Oz. His polls went up about 10 percent uh, when Trump endorsed him. Uh, so, you know, when you've got a crowded field, um, then uh, the Trump's can, uh, you know, moving 10 percent of the electorate is the difference can be the difference between victory and defeat. Uh, but in in Ohio, 68 percent of Republicans voted for somebody other than the person uh, Donald Trump endorsed uh, in Georgia. Uh, you know where they, where there there isn't a crowded field. It's just uh, his nominee again, his candidate against Brian Kemp. Uh, uh, you know, Purdue is getting crushed right now. So you know, it's 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 if I was if I was running for uh, in a Republican primary, I'd rather have Trump's endorsement than not have it. But it doesn't mean that he's got this grip on the Republican Party that they just snap and do what he says. I just tell you, conventional wisdom uh, shows that Oz is up by about twelve hundred. Lancaster seems to have a lot of military ballots, and McCormick is says he's originally from there, and the most mail-in ballots have gone to him. It could make up the difference, but we might be looking at a recount anyway. What do you read yep. out of this? I look at two strong candidates. Do you? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the uh, it, it, we, it's very it's so close to call you. We, we, we don't know where which way it's going to go. Um, but uh, I think I think either one of them could win. And I think uh, it's going to be a uh, I think it's going to be a very good, a good year for Republicans in November. The uh, NBC News shows that there's a nationally there's a. 17-point enthusiasm gap between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, with 17 points, the last time it was that high was in 2010, and they lost 60 seats in the House. Uh, so, uh, but, the, here's the, but it's also critical to remember in 2010, one of the big problems we had was that we lost, we didn't take control of the Senate uh, because the Republican Party nominated a bunch of people like Sharon Angle and Christine yep. uh, O'Donnell in Delaware, who you know, had to say, I'm not a witch. Uh, to, and, and so we lost a lot of winnable races. So it's, it's really important that we pick, you know, I, I follow William F. Buckley's maxim, which is uh, I support the most conservative candidate who can win. Uh, and uh, that's what we need to do in these races. Looking at what's going on right now, uh, the, you look at what's happening in this country. Gas hit uh, is gas is hit as high as six dollars a gallon. With some people getting ready for ten dollars a gallon. We know what's happening at the border. It's about to get worse. With goodbye Title Forty Two, <laughs> the Ministry of Truth has been the biggest disaster I can remember. Just a flat out embarrassment. The market dropped eleven hundred points today. It's down one hundred thirty seven points. Baby formula disaster on top of that. And now he's scrambling to go to our enemy nations to get more oil like Venezuela. I mean, what is going on here? 
It's the 1970s all over again. I mean, literally, it's, I mean, the, the parallels are, unca- I just came back from the Reagan ranch uh, where I visited the 1980s and it was such a relief because I'd left the 1970s. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, literally inflation's out of control, gas prices out of control. We had a U.S. ally overtaken by Islamic radicals uh, and uh, Russian expansive Russia just invaded a na- one of its neighbors. I mean, uh, and we got it. We got a presidential relative who tried to do business with Libya. It's it, it literally is the 1970s all over again uh and we'll just see where we go from here because i think the president the president you had a president jimmy carter was a nuclear scientist and a veteran and a governor you have this guy who clearly lost his fastball and has nobody around him who makes you think you know that's the jim baker or you know that's the you know whatever you want to say about Rahm emanuel no one ever said wow that he's incompetent you don't like his style but he knew he knew how to get things done I liked Jay Johnson. I remember Jay Johnson was pretty strong with the other previous administration. I thought Axelrod was extremely competent, even if you didn't uh, like his tactics, getting uh, Obama elected twice. You respected them. Who around the, the president do you respect? I, I can't think of a single person. It, he says, you know, and uh, he's surrounded by psychophants uh, and people who, and who, by the way, in the way they correct him constantly publicly, no, the people who see him close up know that he's not completely there. Um, you know, it's 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 the worst presidency of my lifetime. And if you think back to that Carter analogy, I mean, we're still paying for the mistakes of the Carter administration. I mean, the 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 whole crisis we have with Iran and the you know the Iran nuclear deal and Iran threat that that that's that was because of Jimmy Carter. Uh, yeah, we, we, there's so many parts of the world where we are still paying the price. We're going to be paying the price for the Biden presidency, even if it's only four years long for uh, for generation. Here's Elon Musk describing what he sees wrong with this White House. Cut 23. The Democrat Party is overly, overly controlled by the unions and by the uh, trial lawyers, particularly the class action uh, lawyers. Um, and generally, if you if you'll see something that doesn't that is not in the interest of the, of the people um, it's, it, on the on the Democrat side, it's going to come because of the unions, uh, which is just another form of monopoly. And the uh, the trial lawyers, uh, the, uh, the, that's where actions will be happening from the Democrat side. They're not in the interest of the people. Um, in, in the case of Biden, he is simply too, too much uh, captured by the unions, um, which was not the case with Obama. Um, so. In the case of Obama, you could have, you know, he was sort of quite reasonable. Um, and I think he took more of a view uh, that, you know, obviously you need to take the concerns of the unions into account. But uh, there, there are bigger issues at stake. And, and unfortunately, Biden does not do that. Yeah. I mean, and that's uh, the least yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think Elon Musk understates it a little bit, though. I'm glad to hear him saying these things. Glad, glad to welcome him into the Republican fold, by the way. Um, but, you know, the, it's not just that he's captured. The, le- the unions are just one element of the left. He's been completely captured by the progressive movement. Uh, you know, he, they convinced him. The worst thing that ever happened to Joe Biden was winning those two Senate seats in Georgia because he promised to be bipartisan. If, they, if the Republicans had held on to the Senate, he would have had to be bipartisan. He would have had no choice. But instead, they gave him these delusions of grandeur that he could be a new FDR. No, no one elected him to be a new FDR because, first of all, he doesn't have FDR-like majorities. He's got a 50-50 Senate. He's got a handful of votes in the House. That's a mandate for compromise. And they convinced him, oh, we can do this all with Democratic votes. We'll ram through all this spending. We'll get our agenda through, and you can be the new FDR. And he thought, yeah, man, all, all people voted. what people voted for, for Joe Biden to be is normal. 
right? We just wanted things to go back to normal and to not not have constant chaos. And and I, I didn't. I didn't vote for him. I voted for Trump. But a lot of Americans voted for him for that. And he's not giving them what they want, which is why his his approval has plummeted. Uh, why he's uh, why uh, most Americans don't don't want him to run for a second term, and and why why Republicans are poised to take back power. It's it's a huge miscalculation on their part. About forty five minutes ago, the leaders of Sweden and Finland came out and formally got the endorsement of Joe Biden to push for the application to go into NATO and ask Senate to confirm it swiftly. We know Turkey is standing in the way. Uh, of this so far, here is what Jake Sullivan said, cut 30, cut 30. We're confident that at the end of the day, Finland and Sweden will have an effective and efficient accession process. The Turkey's concerns can be addressed. Finland and Sweden are working directly with Turkey to do this, but we're also talking to the Turks to try to help facilitate. I spoke with my counterpart today. Secretary Blinken is meeting with his counterpart, perhaps as we speak, uh, in New York. Uh, and we feel very good about where this will track to. Uh, and President Biden will uh, express that confidence as we believe the president of Finland and prime minister. Of, uh, Which he did already. Uh, what's your sense? Yeah. Is to how, Turkey's trying to actually negotiate. Uh, they are our weakest link. Why they're in there now, judging by with Erdogan, yeah. is beyond me. They need unanimous, don't they? Yeah. I, it, it, well, I mean, I would be happy to trade out Turkey for uh, Sweden and NATO for Turkey. Absolutely. <laughs> Let them leave. You know, I mean, Turkey Turkey is a is a dictatorship, an Islamist dictatorship that's sucking up to Vladimir Putin. Uh, I don't even know why they're why they're in NATO. And, and although they gave up the drones friend, and they did a good job in the yeah. Black Sea. So they did. They did. They did. Um, but, you know, the, the the reality is, is that, of course, we should inv- should uh, invite uh uh, Sweden and Finland into into NATO, of course. They, and if the entire alliance wants it to happen, I don't think Turkey's going to stop it from happening. The truth is, we should have invited Ukraine into NATO, and we wouldn't have this war right now. Uh, if a, you know George W. Bush in 2008, I went with him to uh, to Romania to the NATO summit where he really pushed hard, and he couldn't get it was the Germans who stood in the way and wouldn't allow it to happen. If that had happened, there would have been no war because you know they, they, Putin hasn't invaded the Baltic states. He hasn't invaded Poland. Uh, he's only invaded the the country that he thought we wouldn't defend and we wouldn't help uh, because he did because he could get away with it. And this is another reason why, quite frankly, Brian, we need to get rid of our policy of strategic ambiguity in the Taiwan Strait and make very clear to the to uh, to have strategic clarity that if uh, if China invades Taiwan, uh, we will be there to defend them because that'll deter. Uh, the, you know, just like the, the Article Five deterred the Soviet Union for for uh, you know the end of, for 60 years in the Cold War, uh, and uh, we need we need to, the best way to for, to deter war mm-hmm. is to be clear about what the consequences will be. Well, we got to find a way for the Ukrainians to get the glory they deserve. Yet I don't want endless war. You don't want endless war. But they they lost more Mariupol. They've lost Kyrgyzstan, and now that helps them connect the land bridge to Crimea and the Donbass. Yep. What should be the strategy going forward, even though we're not fighting, we're helping? Uh, well, first of all, pass this aid package uh, that, 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 uh, that, uh, that is before the Congress and give them heavy weapons and, and help them take back this territory. I don't think Russia should get away with anything you know, that, that, that the Ukrainians can take away with them. We should not send any American troops to fight. But, you know, again, I, I mentioned I was at the Reagan ranch. Uh, Ronald Reagan did the, the we're, we're taking a page out of Ronald Reagan's playbook. When Ronald Reagan came to office in, 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 the, in 1980, Americans had lost all appetite for sending American troops around the world after the Vietnam War. And so he had to find a way to confront 
uh, Soviet expansionism without deploying American forces. And the way he did it was through the Reagan doctrine, which is that we were we would provide weapons and training and 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 intelligence and diplomatic support to freedom fighters around the world who wanted to fight their own wars of liberation. And they did, and we and we 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 uh, we helped uh, you know liberate Nicaragua. We helped liberate Afghanistan. We helped uh, help stop the takeover of, of U.S. allies around the world and the march of communism in Central America and Africa and other places. And that's what we should be doing here in Ukraine: is doing the Reagan doctrine, supporting the Ukrainians, uh, letting them take the fight to the to the Russians as long as it takes to drive them out of their country. And they should leave their tail between their legs, just like they left Afghanistan. Well, absolutely. But uh, this time. Uh, they're, even their anchors are starting to pick up. They're not doing well, though. They're playing the Mariupol thing yep. uh, as a major yep. victory. But it would just be it would work because then we could have a fortified Europe no longer on Russian oil, gas and coal. And then we could yep. really pivot towards China. I see that scenario as plausible. Do, do you, Mark Thiessen? Absolutely. So, first of all, one of the one of the things that the Ukrainians are doing for us uh, in that country, is they're absolutely destroying the Russian uh, the Russian military. The the, the I, I saw the other day a statistic that the Ukrainians had captured I think 264 Russian tanks, which makes Russia the number one supplier of heavy of a heavy weaponry to Ukraine, ahead of the United States, ahead of NATO. Uh, we're, we're we're decimating their military, which means that they're, it's going to take them decades to rebuild. From the disaster uh, of Ukraine, and they, it weakens their ability to threaten NATO, weakens their ability to threaten the Baltics, weakens their ability to threaten Poland, and then exactly right. Uh, and once they're weakened, uh, they, then we can turn our attention to to the Pacific and to making sure that we don't repeat this disaster in Taiwan. Absolutely, Mark Thiessen. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, uh, he's the best. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll come back. I'll finish up with a flurry of calls. You listen, and keep in mind too. Uh, coming up this weekend, uh, 8 o'clock, repeated at 11, uh, One Nation, Brian Kilmeade, and you'll have a chance to set your series up. So if you're saying to yourself, that's when I get in, I, I go to the clubs, uh, or I go ballroom dancing, or I go to the gym, or you go watch, uh, you know, you're going to go watch hockey playoffs, just set your series up and watch it on Sunday morning. Set the series up, One Nation, uh, on your DVR. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Both the WNBA and its brother league, the NBA, we, we have a huge responsibility to Brittany Griner as one of our players. Part of our decision to not take a higher profile here, frankly, came at the suggestion of experts in and out of government who yeah. thought the best path to getting Brittany out was not to amplify the issue. Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner of the yep. WNBA, is on this issue every single day. I'm working side by side with her, but we've been in touch with the White House, the State Department, hostage negotiators, you know, at every level of government and also through the private sector as well. So our number one priority is her health and safety and making sure that she gets out of Russia. Yep, that is Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. It makes me think there's more to know. More to know. Which is? 
So, I mean, the NBA is so cozy with China. Why doesn't someone in the NBA call up China and then put pressure on Russia? And maybe no? That's a great idea. And yeah. maybe have China look like the good guy for a change. Yeah, could be. Uh, absolutely. Uh, by the way, I think it's great that they're fighting. She is the best player maybe in NBA, WNBA history. Um, and she's 31 years old and many years to play. Next. U.S. women's soccer gets equal pay in her new deal. Uh, the organization will get the same as men's side. Uh, with the World Cup, they're much more successful, the best team in the world on the women's side, which blows me away. I haven't gotten details on it, but they're going to pool their money. I find it unbelievable because the men make so much more. That tournament is much more lucrative. It's been around for 100 years. The first World Cup for the women, I think, was 1990. So there's no way the, the revenue's equal, but they're going to be sharing it. I think that's wrong. Same facilities, yes. Same flights, everything like that. Accommodations, pay, uh, that's up to you. But in terms of revenue, you can't take the men's revenue and compare it to the women's. It's not equal. Well, I mean, you can't compare it, but if it's all the same organization, then what, you know, they're all, you know, we all work for Fox here, right? But you could argue you do more for the company than I do, but then you get, you know, you get the, I don't know, you could say they get a base pay, maybe the men get a bonus based on revenue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it should, one brings in more money. I mean, for example, maybe Fox Weather, I have no idea, gets less than Fox Business, they might get less than us. It depends on where the revenue comes. And if they say just pull it all together, you go, oh, really? Uh, all right. But they have no choice in this environment, I guess. That is I'm going to get into detail that on this weekend with Michelle Tafoya on One Nation. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.